Lecture 2, Part A for EDAR 308 Visual Arts Education. In this lecture for week number two, we're going to be looking at identity and intention in 3D. So the focus of this second lecture is the connection between artists and artwork and identity and intention. How does an artist convey a message about self-identity? What form of language is being used to do so? And why is this language being used? In terms of the conceptual framework, we will be addressing some of the analytical questions pertinent to the concept of artist and the concept of artwork. And we'll see how those begin to work with each other um, and as we go through the ages and as we go through that change in how um, the visual arts was perceived and, and still is changing in how it's being perceived. Uh, we'll, we'll see how artists became more and more um, obvious and robust in the messages that they were trying to portray in terms of um, mainly self-portraiture but also this idea of, of um, portraits as well. So we're going to start off um, having a look at quite a famous image. And this is the image of David. It's a sculpture by Michelangelo. Uh, Michelangelo uh, was creating this between 1501 and 1504 and it's currently in the Galleria dell'Accademia in Florence. And if you go to Florence, the version of it you see it today actually isn't the original one, it's replaced in the um, late 1860s. Um, but for any of you that have seen this particular image, I think you'll agree that it's an absolutely fantastic and uh, remarkable piece of work. And whilst it isn't self-portrait necessarily, and of course we don't know. Um, it's actually a um, portrait of the biblical hero David. Uh, it's, this, it's an amazing piece of work which shows you um, how an artist has um, created um, almost a living entity within a 3D, um, sort of in a 3D fashion. So I will be showing you um, both 3D and 2D images uh, but I wanted to start off with a 3D one that showed this sort of monumental, very lifelike um, uh, sort of uh, product that you can get uh, when, you're, when you're working and talking within, in terms of the visual arts. So as you look at this photograph, I'd like you to try and think, you know, what, what is it really sort of saying to you? So what, what, are, what are the messages that are coming through? You know? and, and again, don't try and think too abstract. Immediately just start thinking about, you know, what was the artist trying to say to us? So, you know, and indeed, not only what the artist was trying to say to us, but what is the artwork trying to say to us? Vasari, who was a very famous art historian um, during the Renaissance times, um, said of this particular statue that Michelangelo was restoring life to one who was already dead. And whilst we know that when you look at this, this sculpture, you know, it's obviously not alive, it's not a person who can walk down the street, there are so many features uh, that are reminiscent um, of how we see ourselves, whether you be male or female. And if you think back to the activity that we're doing in workshop one, where I was asking you to create a contour self-portrait, so you were, um, uh, you know, you're using um, your, your non-writing hand and you close your eyes and you're feeling your face, all those things that we know that make up our face, so um, eyes, nose, mouth, chin, cheeks, um, in this case there are ears and hair, neck and the top of the chest. We all can see what that looks like, but we were unable to actually portray that. We're, our intention was to, to um, portray ourselves on a bit of paper, but because of the limitations we put on ourselves, it was very, very difficult. 
Here you have the opposite side of the spectrum where you have the artist who has a clear vision um, and spend a huge amount of time literally chiseling it out of the marble um, to create this absolutely fantastic 3D, extremely lifelike, lifelike effect. So this was the artist's intention. Now, the artist's intention um, uh, was to create this this uh, almost godlike figure. You know, so the artist is Michelangelo. He was a painter and he was a sculptor. Um, and his intention was to create this amazing sculpture that was going to sit in a public space in Florence um, and be uh, an inspiration to, to all the people of that particular town. But the artwork itself also has intention, I believe. If you look at it, you're not, and you, and you, you try and read the face, uh, I think you'd be really pushed to, to say that there was, there was nothing in that face, that that face was really giving you no message whatsoever. So it's not Michelangelo looking at you out at you. It's, it's not, there isn't sort of text all over, over the sculpture telling you what to think. The actual um, way that the face has been put together gives you this really amazing um, message. You know, where are those eyes looking at? Um, you know, are they looking somewhere um, in, you know, near the, 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 the face or are they looking out into the distance? What is that hand doing? You know, that the hand is, is full of power, it's full of energy. Um, you know, is it sort of, you know, is the arm curled up softly um, or is there almost a sort of a, a, an element of anxiety and strength going on in there? You can see the way that the, the, um, the tendons come down the neck and that's something that we see every day when we, when we look in the mirror. This is extremely lifelike. There's an almost sort of chiseled quality to the chin and the nose where the, you know, uh, where the, the, the brow is slightly furrowed. So this, this face really does have um, some sort of thought going on inside its brain. So as Vasari said, you know, restoring life to one who was dead. Uh, this is a, a, a figure um, in history who had been dead for many thousands of years, and yet this has been um, beautifully replicated through um, artistic integrity and an artistic intention. When we um, come together again for our work, for our week two workshops, and we're going to be working in 3D and, and creating uh, a 3D representation of ourselves. We, we don't have time to chisel away out of marble. But what I want you to look at in terms of that is, is um, you know, what is being used um, in, this, in this particular image. Uh, so if you imagine that it was in front of you as a, as a 3D sculpture, what is being used in that to convey um, this message of humanity, to convey this message of, of, of character? So as we look at, uh, we've had a look at the artist, so who it was and, and you know, what was the intention. If we now address um, another element of the conceptual framework, so the, the artwork, uh, the concept of artwork, you know, what is it made out of? It's made out of um, marble. You know, how, how can marble be manipulated? How was the artist able to create this? Well, it, it took four years. Um, many different artists had, had given a go um, at this actual particular bit of marble before Michelangelo came along, so he wasn't the first one. Um, you know, obviously it's very hard, um, and yet due to their skill as craftsmen, they're able to create this, this beautiful entity. What is the mood um, of the artwork? We've just discussed that. You know, what, what, is, what is the face bringing out? What mood is the face conveying? And then what, what influenced the image? So we just, if we just have a look at some of these concepts within artists and artwork, you know, in terms of, what, in terms of the heading artwork, what influenced the image? Well, um, it would have been biblical stories. It would have been... Um, the sculptures that were being uh, unearthed across Italy at this time as, as, the, as the, the artworks of the Romans were, were literally being rediscovered. So they'd been um, covered, they'd been buried, um, you know, volcanoes had covered some of them. And during the Renaissance time, they were literally being cut out of the earth. So if you go to Pompeii, um, you know, this is, 
Uh, there are artworks and statues and houses and roads in Pompeii that were covered by Vesuvius when it erupted. They had been around for thousands of years before they were rediscovered in the Renaissance period. So this is very much influenced by, um, I suppose, an era of, of great artistic integrity um, when the most beautiful sculptures have been um, created. If we move on to our next image now, and we have a look at a, a painting by Albert Dürer. And this was painted in 1500, and it's called Self-Portrait in a Fur-Coloured Robe. Uh, it was oil painted on wood, and at the moment it is housed in Munich in Germany. Dürer was, um, in his own time, an icon. He was, he was so highly regarded as a, as a painter. So almost a precursor to those painters and the artists that we have today who become um, celebrities in quite a short amount of time. Dürer really moved Germany in terms of, um, in terms of art from um, the Middle Ages into the Renaissance. So he traveled to, to um, Italy and he picked up on the new skills of oil painting and he took those into Middle Europe um, and totally transformed the way um, a painting was, paintings were created. But if you have a look at this image, you can see you know, what immediately strikes you. What, what, um, what, is, what would you say about this image? Who does it remind you of? Um, and funnily enough, it reminds you of, of somebody that we've never met in person, we've never seen face to face. Um, but it reminds us very much of images that we see of Jesus Christ. So what was the intention of the artist? You know, was, the, was Dürer trying to say to us, um, I'm on a level with Jesus Christ? Or was there something else going on in his mind when he was painting this? In terms of who is the artist, the artist is both the person who has painted this um, and he is the subject matter of the painting. So Dürer is both artist and artwork. Um, one could probably argue that the artwork is also... Um, the artist. It, it's a, it's a two-way street. This painting went on to become very famous in, in Dürer's own lifetime and has been replicated across the ages. Um, but this is, this is probably one of the first instances in the terms of um, art history where uh, the artist um, was uh, not just a skilled craftsman, but he was um, almost having quite a humorous uh, take upon himself and, and probably a take upon um, art in general. As we move on to our next image, this one um, is uh, a bust by an artist called Jeff Koons. And Jeff Koons is um, a modern day artist, and this was, this was created in 1991 out of marble. It was hewn out of marble, very much like the, the David um, sculpture by Michelangelo. But this one has a very different um, element to it, has a very different intention to it. Uh, Jeff Koons is um, an extremely humorous man, and if you um, read up on him at all, and those of you who are going to be looking at Jeff Koons for your um, assignment, you'll see that he, he has a, a, a very individual sense of humor. So here is an artist who has um, taken, you know, he's been influenced by um, really fantastic old classical art in terms of busts, you know, when, when um, uh, Roman emperors had their busts, um, curated in, in, in glorification themselves. And here Jeff Koons has gone and hewn himself in marble, um, uh, very much in this sort of, uh, in this element of self-glorification. And in a later exhibition, he actually went on to place these busts in the Palace of Versailles a couple of years ago in an exhibition. So he's really, I suppose, um, beginning, not, not mocking, um, not mocking, uh, sort of historical artifacts, but he's really pushing the boundary about um, the role of the artist and the role of the artwork. So it's not a he's not a very, um, 
he's not a very modest man, so he doesn't stick to the guidelines and the rules. Um, he's really pushing out there uh, how artists can change how they are seen and how they see themselves. So not only is this um, a different way for us to see uh, a self-portrait, but he's really, Jeff Koons has really sort of gone out and said, this is how great I am and this is how I'm going to portray myself. And finally, I just want to have a look at another painting. So whilst it's not um, a 3D, it's a very important painting, and it's by an artist called Caravaggio, and it's self-portrait as Bacchus. And Caravaggio was another Renaissance painter, painter of great skill, and this is um, believed to be um, a self-portrait of himself. And um, he's positioned himself into a classical story, so um, the, in, the, in the position of, of Bacchus, the, the god of wine, and... This is where symbolism starts to really um, come into its own. And the intention behind this painting, uh, again, we might never really know, but Caravaggio didn't keep great records of, of what he was up to. But what we're able to read into it is that here he has, he has utilized um, symbolism and a story that, that um, really shows that he was, he was thinking about um, the state of the country that he lived in and how he was able to tell that story uh, without being necessarily very obvious about it. Andrew Graham Dixon, who's um, a very well-renowned uh, uh, British art critic, um, suggests that this, that because of the bacchanalian nature of it, this idea of, um, of you know, the, the, the god of alcohol, the god of, of partying almost, that this is representing anarchy and disorder. So this is the, this is the artist trying to to um, sort of rise up against conventionality. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of an imposing, imposing story that you can see on his face of maybe impending doom or, or rebellion or, you know, that this is a way that, that we're going to really challenge um, the world around us. So this particular painting uses, the artist uses himself in it in, in a self-portrait, but it's not, not a self-portrait like the Dürer one where you're looking at this very calm, um, almost Christ-like image. In this one, we're beginning to look at the use of symbolism, so the, the, the fruit and the vines, um, the Bacchanalian um, headdress, uh, the Bacchanalian um, clothes that, that, that Caravaggio is wearing in this. And he's really beginning to, um, to tell us a story, to give us a message. So the intention is becoming very, very loaded indeed. So as we move into part B, I'm going to be showing you um, some more examples of artists who work in 3D. And I want you to start thinking about how when you come to the workshops in week two, we can start to um, put together um, your own self-portrait um, in 3D. So we're going to be looking at using newspaper, um, wire, um, chicken wire, um, string, all these kind of things to, to, to bring together the idea of, of features, um, emotion, intention, um, and obviously identity.